Welcome to the Monday morning edition of Browner and Lawhead. I'm John Browner, joined by Jason Lawhead. As you know, the show that comes to you via Monday through Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m. We're available via the iTunes and YouTube under the Captain and Crew banner. On the ESP Minor 1090, it's how you're hearing us on the radio. Welcome to a lovely, partly cloudy, June gloom, San Diego day. What's up, Jason? What up, Brown man? How was your weekend, man? You guys look like you had a great time over there at Egg Fest. I wish I could, you know, the. I uh, wish I could have made it down there this weekend with you guys, but uh, had some other obligations. And uh, but anyway, you look like you guys had a great time. Yeah, man. Shout out to Brian over at uh, West Coast Barbecue, and they do a fantastic event at Egg Fest. Guys were out there at 3 a.m. preparing everything for the That's event. That's awesome. And they sold more tickets than they thought that they would. They sold more big. They sold out of every big green egg. So everybody was cooking on the big green egg. They had mm-hmm. 50 of them. They had 40 of them sold. Wow. And by the end of the event, they had sold all 50, including like uh, utensils and accessories. And nice. so shout out to Brian. Uh, it was it was a tremendous event. I was glad to see him being successful because he's an awesome dude and he deserves it. And so shout out to him. Yeah, that's cool, man. Sorry I missed it next year for sure. Well, good. I mean, listen, much money he made. There will definitely be a next one. Yeah, maybe twice a year, right? Get, might, he'd probably do one like at, like start of the spring and, and start of the football season would be two good bookends. So shout out to him, man. Um, We left you on a – not a cliffhanger, but we left you with our thoughts on the NBA Finals when I told you guys what I thought would happen to Draymond Green in Game 3. Oh, boy, it did yeah. not get better for him. Uh, The Celtics take Game 3. The Warriors take game four in dramatic fashion with Steph Curry. We're going to talk about that on the show. We're going to talk about the Spano's sister. We're going to talk about the Padres being a half game out of first place. We're going to talk about apparently Anthony Davis is allergic uh, to basketballs. And back to where we started. I can tell you, I have been watching NBA Finals basketball. I've been privileged enough to have grown up in the Michael Jordan era when he won six championships in eight years. So I've seen a lot of final performances. I've never seen someone who can shoot the basketball the way Steph Curry can, but I also never, and I mean never seen somebody of a starting caliber who logs as many minutes as Draymond Green be this bad in the NBA. (laughs) I've never seen a player this important to his team be this bad. He's got more fouls. Than points, okay. Yeah, he got more fouls than everything. He got more. <laughs> He's got more fouls than everything. There was there was nothing more predictable. We talked about this on Wednesday. There was nothing more predictable than him going to be bad in Game Three. It was. I could see it coming from a mile away. I if you if you're a betting man, I'm not. I would put money tonight on him being uh, subpar again, like. What happened in Boston for a guy who talks, and again, people struggle. I don't have a problem with guys struggling with their game. Sometimes you hit a lull at the worst time, and this may be what's happening to him. If that's you, shut up. Don't just shut up. Play basketball. Try to figure it out. But for you to go on your podcast and go, 
It doesn't matter what anybody says. This podcast is happening after every game. All right, bro. Okay. You when you invite people in to criticize you and you yap and you run your mouth for people to criticize you, then you become the villain and your wife's being cursed out at baseball basketball games in Boston and and, and obscenities are being used about you in front of your kid. When you're the villain, you lose control of all of that. And if, and you're lucky Steph Curry is so good. Draymond Green should be thanking his lucky star. Steph Curry is so good because he would be the talk of the series. And he is not. Steph Curry is because that fourth quarter and that game four performance was utterly spectacular. Yeah, Draymond. As I said, I tweeted the other day, the only defense he's played in this series is on his podcast. That's <laughs> um, the only defense he's played in this series. I Yikes. mean, come on. Um, is, you know, what Steph's doing is really remarkable. And it was, it was almost kind of, his back was up against this kind of, having this kind of a series with, the with the types of cast members he has around him in a in a, against a team that is you know uh heralded as this great defensive team that this lockdown defensive team this versatile defensive team this team that can you know body at the three-point line and protect the rim and chase you and 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 even play great transition defense which is really a hallmark of their of their uh ability to to stop teams uh, which is hard to do. It's the hardest thing to do in defense is play good transition defense, especially in this kind of a of a game where the NBA's evolved to in such a, a movement spread out. We'll shoot a three on the break type of basketball. Um, yeah, what Steph's doing is remarkable, man. And we talked about it throughout the season. I thought throughout the year, as great of numbers seasons as, you know, Jokic had or Giannis or or Embiid and then, then the typical names we were talking about as regular season MVP I thought where the Warriors came out of the gate without clay with uh, some names that had to answer and and step up and what were they gonna be um after a you know team like the Suns were returning that everybody was like watch out and this expectation of this Laker dynasty that was supposed to be building um what he was able to do with that team before he got a little hurt and and slowed down at the end of the year which you know eventually wasn't something that festered into the playoffs luckily for him and the Warriors I mean what he's doing is remarkable and you're right like I'm a I'm I'm even a, a 10 spot older than you so I can I grew up watching Magic and Dr. J and Magic and Bird Finals so I saw those guys from that start, trickle into the bad boys, hand it over to Jordan. Um, and to see this and, and being a Cleveland guy and seeing what LeBron brought to the table um, in 2015, 16, 17, to carry 18 to carry the Cavs into final situations and the, the big moments he had in 16. This is ranks right up there with him, man. I'll tell you what, I've, I've, I've been the first guy to kind of hate on the Warriors back in the day because they were our rival. I mean, the, the Cavs growing up, we always yeah. had some good teams with Price and Doherty, but we never really had a rival. I mean, we looked up to Detroit and Chicago and we couldn't knock them off the block and there were rivalries there. But the intensity of that Warriors-Cav rivalry over that finals run, 
built and built and built and the hates for Draymond Green and the and the ah Steph isn't that good arguments came out of my mouth of course knowing that Steph's probably the greatest pure shooter that's ever played the game there was still those things missing on the on the checklist right and he's checking them all off right here and I thought right before we talked um you know I I thought game three was the big game the shift game and even though he played a great game individually the Warriors didn't and I thought that that was the shift game. And then he even takes it to another level in game four to really make that the shift game. And now it's a three-game series. Golden State's got two at home. Uh, Steph looks like he is just now. And, and what's crazy is he's been playing great, but he really looks like he finally hit the groove in the middle of this series. And let's see if the groove that he hit in game four carries over into any of these next three games or, or at least two of them. It's, I think it's game set match. As much as I loved Boston after game three in the series and even felt they're younger, they're stronger, they're deeper, they're more athletic, they protect the rim, they attack the rim better. And yes, Golden State has the overall better shooters, but for the first three games and even a lot of game four, Boston was getting and gets the better shots. So that's why I liked Boston. But this is one of those kind of performances that if he finishes it like he started it and continues it, we're going to talk about for the, till the day he's old and gray in the age of Bill Russell. He's definitely shuck all the preconceived notions and the uh, and, uh, pretext that people have had about him before he came into this series about him not playing well in the finals, him not being able to carry the team by himself. And Because I got to tell you, man, we came into this series, we did John's list, and we both thought mm -hmm. the Warriors had a better team. Mm -hmm. That appears to not be the case after mm -hmm. four games. The Celtics appeared... the better. We both agreed on the better player, yes. which was Steph. And I, yes. We got that right. Yes. Because I'll tell you, the best player in this series for the Celtics has been Jalen Brown. Yes. He's been the best Celtic in this series. And the most consistent. Um, uh, no doubt. more ups and downs, but Jalen Brown has been the most consistent. And I, I think the, the reserves for the Celtics have played better. I mean, they're not asked to do as much, but they've played better. And you've got almost next to nothing from, obviously, Draymond Green. You've got very little from, from Looney. You've gotten very... He, he played huge in game four. And you know what was amazing? At was? the end, he did. Well, that well, here's what was amazing. And, and I even said this. We talked about this in the first couple of games, and it even carried over to their game three loss, which was the 108, the 107, the 100 points that they scored in those first three games. Those weren't the issues Golden State was having. Right. Because they were getting their pure scorer off, which you want to do, and they were scoring the amount of points to win games. It was the 120 and 116 they gave up in losses. And what I even said, which was funny, Two hours before TWIP, I tweeted, I go, they've got to change the way they defend for four quarters in this series. And if that means playing Looney more and playing them at the end, then that's what Steve Kerr's got to do. And the interesting thing was is he didn't start Looney in game four. He went with Porter. Porter. He tried to go opposite of what he thought he needed. Right. And they were getting worked in the first two minutes, and he went right to Looney off the bench. Looney ended up playing more minutes in that game off the bench than he has played all series. He was a plus 21 in 28 minutes with 13 rebounds. I mean, him and Wiggins really were the shoulders that Steph, you know, stayed on all game long 
because what a Graham Wiggins play. Yeah, and, and I think Kerr's doing a nice job right now out coaching uh, Udoko a little bit because I think he's getting more out of he's getting more out of his bench in that um comparison than I thought anybody thought he would. I think yes, Boston still's got a good bench. They've get they get they get good minutes from it, but they're not using it like they usually take down teams. It's the bench has kind of just been there a little bit um and you know they've needed Jalen Brown they've needed Marcus Smart most of the times and Robert Williams up until kind of the game dragged Looney dragged Williams into a game longer Mm -hmm. than Williams had been used to in the first three and it wore on him over time and he wasn't as effective in that paint over time because instead of Kerr starting Looney and then taking him out and having him play 18 to 21 minutes as a starter he used him longer and later and I thought that was a big key to keep in Boston not being in those inflated numbers because once again what did Golden State score in game four to win that game not much more than they had been scoring in the first three that wasn't their problem so if they've solved that riddle a little bit and they think Looney's a 28 32 minute guy they they keep Boston at south of a hundred and then they're gonna, they've, everything's working in their favor, I think. And, and the way Kerr has coached with the way Draymond has played, with the way Clay has been just kind of hot when Golden State's hot. He's kind of just hot when Golden State. But he's done a great job maneuvering the rest of that bench, second rotation guys, and uh, adjust, made an adjustment he thought was going to work, realized in two minutes in, off the tip, oh, boy, get uh, we, this backfired. And then Looney came in and, and created a – kind of a defensive tempo for that team. He eliminated more second shots Boston was getting in the first three games. He, he slapped around some balls. He created some extra possessions. Um, and he made life uh, – he made Wiggins a tougher guy on the floor to, to deal with because Wiggins just plays a great floor game in this series. He might not be putting up the kind of points. I that, thought that uh, we didn't man. give Steve Kerr enough credit coming into this series as far as coaching goes, because I've always given Steve credit, Steve Kirk credit for being a good people manager. He's very mm-hmm. Phil Jackson in that way. Right. And not Greg Popovich in that way, where Greg Popovich is seen as more of an X and O guy. Phil Jackson is seen more of a personality right. guy. And I, I always gave Steve Kirk credit for being more Phil Jackson than Greg Popovich. This looks like a beautiful combination of the two. Yeah. And I'll tell you why, because that's a great point, Browner. His ability to look at Draymond Green's play and go, you know what? We got to take him out. We got to yep. take him out. And he sat him. To, mm-hmm. As hard as that must have been for him, and as difficult that would have been if they would not have won, because Draymond will then go to his podcast and whine. But for Steve Kerr to have the guts, one, and two, to understand the tempo and what his team needed at that particular time to make such a critical substitution and then go offense and defense, I thought that was brilliant, and I don't give Draymond a lot of credit, but I will give him credit for this. He didn't pout about it. He didn't complain. He did what he was asked to do because that's the relationship that he had built with Steve Kerr, and I felt like that was very vital to the success of that game because they needed somebody to be at least a threat to score, and he had not become that anymore. So you couldn't have him and Looney on the floor at the same time because Uh now you're creating this this real like this conversion on Steph Curry because Clay's not hitting shots and Andrew Wiggins is balling 
but not in an offensive way where you can rely on him to keep scoring. And so they put Jordan Poole in. They put these other guys in. Bielitsa. They put these other guys in. Bielitsa's played really well. On he's the held his he's own on the floor. Yeah, he's, he's done a great job. Own. He's kind of playing off the bench the way Boston gets play off the bench from guys. You right. Know? He, he's been that kind of Celtic guy for them off the bench. And you're right. I think you know. I think if if there's any more strengths left with Draymond Green. I think all of his great strengths that we saw when this team was being assembled have definitely diminished. But I think if there's any great strength he still has left, you're right. He's a great teammate. Still. Yes. Uh, he's a guy that you want on your team. Yes. You don't want him on the other team, even if he's blowing up and he's only going three points, two rebounds, <laughs> one assist, six fouls. You still don't want him on the other team for some reason because he just he's, he's that pest we talked about. He's that thing that mucks up the game. So you'd rather have him on your team and being able to go, all right, if you're not playing well, go to the bench or at least still be a good teammate and maybe come out the, off the bench late with foul trouble and, and get some stops for us. But uh, I like, you know, I, I like the what the last three games offer in this series. There's been a couple of pull away wins. There's been, been some great first half. There was that for game four was finally that game all the way kind of down to the stretch until kind of Golden State took it with the last couple of minutes as they rode away. But there that was finally that full game we got to watch. And I hope that's going to be the I think, you know, the way both teams have maybe have adjusted with each other throughout the series. These last three games might be those kind of games close to the way, you know, that 2015, 2016 uh, Warriors Cavs series where there was a lot of just great knockdown, drag them out fights mm -hmm. till the game six, game seven of those series. So, game five tonight, I'm looking at this game. See, to me, this isn't whoever wins this game, <coughs> this isn't an indication of who will win the no. series because no. Boston's been unexplicably bad at home. I don't know why, but they've been very spotty at home, and the Warriors will blow a home game. So mm -hmm. I don't think the winner of this game wins the NBA Finals, but I also think that with what Steph Curry did in the last game, I think Boston's going to say, not you, not this time. And I think this is the clay game. I think this is the game where Draymond rebounds. But rebound, I don't mean off the back, but what I mean he just simply plays better. I think right. Jordan Poole gives you a good game tonight because they're going to be very concentrated on Steph Curry not doing what he did to them in Boston. So I think, I, and if I, Wiggins is if if Wiggins keeps being Wiggins, that's all he's got to be: seventeen points, fifteen yep. points, whatever it is, nine, ten rebounds, five, six, seven assists, couple of steals, great lockdown defense, making sure you get big rebounds when you, you can't let Boston get that second shot. You know, uh, he's just been he's been so good in all the flows of the different flows of the game that Golden State's kind of webbed them way way through, and. Uh, yeah, I, I just I'm excited for, you know, I got the DVR set right now because uh, we're going to be, you know, watching the game here soon and uh, it's going to be fun, man. I, I just think this final started off very up and down, but I got to tell you, man, that game four was great. Game three was great and and, and stretches. And so yeah. I, I don't again, I don't know what we're going to see at the end of this game. I don't know who's going to win. I mean, I think the Warriors are going to pull this one out, but I don't know how it's going to look. I don't know if it'll be close. Because one thing I also, I think the crowd actually did get to Draymond because I know it got to Clay because they were commenting mm -hmm. on it. And these guys are veterans. They've been in the finals more times than you can count on one hand. So they know what the energy is like. But I think that crowd got to them. And I think in response to that crowd, 
we're going to see what the Golden State Warrior crowd has. Because now this has become a fan off. Now, I got to tell you, these games come on at 9 o'clock in Boston. By the time it's 9 o'clock, these dudes are liquored up and they're ready to go. So that's got a oh, lot yeah. to do with it too. And I think that's, what, oh, yeah. that's what's being overlooked. By 9 o'clock in Boston, if, and you got tickets to this thing, you are sauced. Mm-hmm. You are sauce. You are sauce, <laughs> brother. You are. And so I, I mean, this is where you're like this is the this is the old school Celtics too. This is old school. These are the kind of fans that like, yeah, you're right. They get so sauced, they let their like 13 year old drive the car home right. that they took to the game. Like this is like old school. Here's the keys. Little Daddy will help wheel. you put a foot on the pedal. Just steer it straight. Go slow. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, it's just so. Yeah, I mean. Um, and got, the Warriors we, have built themselves we, in. This isn't just like a, oh, we, we got to go. We're, we're, yeah, we're yeah, going yeah. to break. We have so much more to talk about when we come back. And some of it may include Los Angeles, lazy Los Angeles Laker Anthony Davis. Brown and Law hit on the Mightier 1090 when we come back. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Browner and Lawhead show here on the Mighty 1090 ESPN. Again, shout out to all the people listening via podcast and watching via YouTube. We appreciate it. Like, share, and subscribe. I'm John Browner. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Jason Lawhead, and we are giving you sports, we're giving you entertainment, and we're giving you fun. Do you know what? We talked about a bunch of stuff in the show. I forgot to leave out the wife swap that's occurred with the Currys. So we yeah might, whoa we might, oh we wow. might we might get to the, we're you know what we're gonna get to that before it's over, um and I wanted to at at some point this week before it's over we'll probably save it for Wednesday but I'm gonna talk about January sixth I'm just gonna give people a warning before I do it because I know some people get overly political and they don't want to mix the two so I'll, I'll give you guys forewarning when I'm gonna talk about it on the last segment of the show it won't be today just heads up for you later in the week, um. Uh, you, I'm gonna start with Andy. Oh, Davis, by the way, I know you love to... movies. Before we get going, I, yeah. I know you love movies. So love them. Uh, yes, I, went, I saw Jurassic Park. Have you seen it? What'd you think? No, I have not. I thought, and I'm gonna tell you something. I went in there with just thinking it was gonna be kind of like the last couple, which were just kind of more corny based. But yeah, whatever. I'm gonna tell you, this felt like a young Spielberg directed it. it no was. I'm going to tell you, it's the best in the series. It's a really? good story. It's a good story. Is there a few corny jokes or two once oh, in a while when they're in a predicament? Okay. Why do they always yeah, but bigger? those all, they always would have been. But there's an element. There's this kind of different tone to, uh, there's this the Indiana Jones feel to it. And then it kind of even has a little bit of Jaws, you know, at the end with this very good story. Um great scenery unbelievable action and it just starts culminates and ends really well i was very impressed uh my wife loves the series uh i mean it's cool to i'm see a huge dinosaurs. fan of the series too uh, it's cool to see those dinosaurs and that technology on the big screen even if this you know the last couple were kind of corny and stupid but this one's cool and this one has an element of believability of there's more of an underbelly world and not just the, you know, obvious, uh, you know, this is a bad idea. <laughs> There's some really good storyline uh, built into it. So definitely see it um, because if you're, a, I know you're a huge movie fan and mm-hmm. don't miss this one on the big screen, man. I, uh, you know, there's a lot of movies you could be like, ah, I'll just wait till it comes and you know, I can get download it. But this is one 
Um, and we saw it at the Sinopolis. Yes. Wow. Great, great experience. All right. I'm, I'm writing this down because now I'm going to go mm-hmm. and see it. I was very, I was going to go and see it. I didn't know when, but your, your, your recommendation has just sent me, I'm probably going to see it today now. Yeah. And I, and I go like we, ever since, especially like there's been, this is the third one since I think I started dating my, my wife now. And like, and I go, but I'm not like, Oh my God, I can't like, she's more of like loves the Jurassic thing. And I go because I'm like, Oh, I'm going to see some cool stuff on the screen, but I'm not expecting a great movie right. anymore after the first one and the sequels that have followed this one. It feels like it stands alone in a way where it's really cool. It could have been the first of a series, even though it's the last one. Right. It could have been the first of a series and just they could have just fast forwarded us to a, an age where 30 years ago, uh, a guy, you know, created a dinosaur. And this is where we are now. But really cool. Nice. I like the sound of that, man. I'm definitely mm-hmm. going to check that out. Um, speaking of things that are believable or unbelievable, you you tell me. Anthony Davis recently said out of his own mouth that he hasn't picked up a basketball since April. You know when the Lakers' <laughs> last game was in April? So you cannot be telling me that Anthony Davis hasn't done any basketball work on the court since the Lakers' last basketball game, which, if I'm not mistaken, was April 5th. So I like... <laughs> I like Anthony Davis, fellow Chicago native. Seems like a really good guy. Often hurt, which is why people go after him when he's not hurt. He's great. When he is hurt, he is on the sidelines. So he's zero for zero. You can't say everything out loud. Everything everything can't be publicized. And this is something where Anthony Davis should have told him, hey, take that part out. Because now... It looks like he is just unprepared. When you look up and you see Russell Westbrook busting his hump at the Lakers facility, when you look up and you see LeBron James live streaming almost every morning when he's not on vacation, which are well-deserved, from the Lakers facility, and then you hear Anthony Davis hasn't picked up a basketball since the last game the Lakers played. I, I have been saying that they need to find a way to get rid of Russell Westbrook regardless of the hard work, because it just doesn't seem to fit. I think that the tide is changing on who that person is, who should go. And it sounds like it should be Anthony Davis, because Anthony Davis sounds really comfortable to me. As great as a basketball player he is, when healthy but not healthy enough to be really, really great, you can't, you can't say this out loud, dude. You have to keep something closer to the vest. And the fact that you haven't picked up a basketball since April is not what people want to hear when guys like LeBron and guys like Westbrook are in the are in the Laker facility. Where are you? Yeah. I mean, you, you're flabbergasted when you hear that uh, at any level of basketball if you're a kid that's dedicated to this sport from high school through college and if you play at any nba level europe i don't care where you're playing at pro ball you know what a continent what like that just is inconceivable (laughs) it's inconceivable especially when when you're a guy who really is the type of 
player, at least the track record of your health and your availability, whatever you want to call it, uh, comes into question. You you have to kind of show that you're working harder to stay on that court and stay skilled because, you know, I've got to be at my best with the basketball if it's 60 games I play or 82. I mean, that it's it's a, you know, I mean, it's kind of a, it's what people perceive Ben Simmons as as well, yes. right? So you're yes. going to get yourself into this. You're going to start uh, associating yourself with that kind of company. You know, it's the uh, the guy that can't, you know, keep his weight down, the guy that never works out in the offseason, the guy that doesn't get into the gym and work on his jump shot or his right hand or his left hand or his low post. It's all of that stuff. And, you know, that's what makes LeBron great is that he started doing that from the time he was in junior high school and he never stopped the same thing with Michael Jordan. Even when he was being cut as a sophomore and told that you're not making the varsity, you got to play JV. He was never not nonstop dedicated to the game of basketball. And it's kind of a shame because, you know, you can't create people. You can't create right. their heart, their spirit. Right. You can't really create that. You can try to motivate them. You can coach them. You can try to inspire. You can try to get the best out of them. But it's really too bad because even if he was, you know, Bird used to say this about McHale. That he used to say McHale's one most. He Bird said if McHale worked half as hard as I I worked, he would have been the greatest of all time. That's how talented McHale was at the game of basketball. And they're actually different eras, but very similar types of ball players. Uh, you know, great hands, unbelievable touch. Silly, crazy, low post moves. They can dip their shoulder in, and before you know it, they're off of a pivot foot, and they're nine feet past you on the baseline, shooting a fadeaway. And, and you know, length, great defenders, elusive shot blockers, can run the floor, hand, you know, handle the ball a little bit in the open court if they had to. Heady pass, and it's kind of the same symptom. You know, he's just gonna be as great as he is because he is, instead of greater. If he really, you know, you know, that used to drive Bird nuts about McHale is that he was he he look at him, he goes, he's a way better basketball player than me. He just takes it for granted and jokes around. He was the class clown. McHale was the prankster on the team. He kind of would get to shoot around a little late and be the first one out of there. And uh, so, you know, you this is not an individual sport. Unfrankly, <laughs> you know, a golfer feels a little something. He's back. You can, you can stop swinging the clubs for a month and then maybe right. that's a good thing. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's a good thing that you get off the course and maybe you just stop swinging the club and then go back with it, with a mind frame. But basketball, uh, the off season is where you make your regular season. Every coach will tell you that, you know, it's the off season that makes the regular season and the next, you know, what, what you're going to do after that. And you see it with Steph, right? You, right. you see this, you know, you look at 2015 Steph compared to now. I mean, he's built, he's, he's, I mean, he looks like he could play free safety right now. I mean, you know, he's still a short guy in the sense of NBA basketball, player, but he's put together, he's worked on the, the, the deficiencies that hamstrung him. And that was maybe being physically undersized and not strong enough. So, uh, and you know, you, that guy, he might, he might take his little break in the summer to play a little golf, but the, but, but the basketball is always in his hands every day. I think the fact that we are even having this conversation should be investigated as to why he's been injured so many times at the end of the season. Yeah. You have to. You're, or the beginning. 
You're because buying. you're not ready for it. Yeah. And then you get ready and then it breaks down again. He mysteriously <laughs> gets hurt almost all the time at some point in the start of the year. And then the back and end. And then at the back end of the year, he always almost seems to get hurt again with some soft tissue injury. Because yeah. it's, it's not his bones. It's the tendons. It's the tissues, the soft tissue issues that he's having because those are the muscles that need to be overworked in the offseason. Right. So when you overwork them during the season, they know how to respond and not just tear. So I – Yeah. I, it's, I, like a, it's kind of like a sedentary lifestyle, right? I mean, for a pro athlete, a sedentary lifestyle is an active lifestyle for your average person. Right. But uh, the, 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 the elite pro athlete has to be insanely overactive. Yes. <laughs> insanely overactive. Yes. You have so to keep those. Like, you have to keep those bullets sharp, or you or, or what are you doing? What did you call them? In a, when we were talking before the the L.A. the 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 lazy the lazy the lazy Lakers the lazy Lakers yeah the L.A. lazy Lakers the lazy Lakers that's a great nickname he he could be a, he could be the first lazy Laker of all time. You know who's not lazy? I give you one guess. Who's not lazy? Yeah. Uh, we will say the Padres. They've been playing some pretty inspired ball is that who your trans is i i'm trying to guess segways now that's what i should that should be a segment of the show can i guess browner's segue oh yeah the curries aren't lazy <laughs> neither one of them not the mama not the daddy not the two sons i don't know enough Weird. about the daughter so i won't comment on her very pretty young lady this my friends this is del curry and this mm -hmm. is Daryl Curry's new girlfriend. You know, not going to blow you away. Okay? That's okay. But that's okay. You know why? Because this is Sonya Curry. Poor picture of her. Gorgeous woman. Just utterly gorgeous. Which would explain why the two look so good together. This man behind her and this woman with him have something in common. What you might guess, if you're listening to this on the radio, let me help you. Del Curry, father of Steph Curry, is at the, at the Warriors game in Boston with his new girlfriend, who appears to be a white woman in her late 40s, maybe early 50s. Sonia Curry, at the same game with an older gentleman, white man, appears to be in his early to mid 50s. You know what's weird about them as being the new boyfriend and girlfriend of the formerly known as the Currys? They used to be married. Now that would get you to a hold up, wait a minute moment. But I am dead serious. The Currys, the Currys are dating a formerly married couple. Wow. Let that sink in for anybody driving in your car. So I'm going to break it down for you one more time. Through research, because that's what the internet is for now, some the NBA, the the I think it was ESPN, showed Dale Curry with this woman. And people went, What? That's the new girlfriend? Okay. And the internet, black women, talking to you, black women, they immediately attacked this poor white lady. Oh, this is what you left Sonya Curry for. Oh, this is what you. And then the men on the internet went, hold up, hold up, hold up. This is who she's dating. And then right. somebody went, they look like they could they could have been married. And then they just looked it up, looked it up. And here we are. 
a regular real life based off of just one. the old oh they look like they could be married that's it that's, that's how it kind of came to, had. that is amazing that's all people had they look like they could have been married holy hell they were they were they probably met on one of those like couples retreat you know those like stupid romantic comedies they make with like vince vaughn you know those like couples retreats or something or like the bahamas or atlantis better. it gets better it gets better oh it does the Did man you have the goods on this the man Mm -hmm. Lifelong friend of one Del Curry. Wow. They went to college together. Wow. They are family friends. Their families have been to been. Oh, they're family friends, all right. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> they're a little bit more than that now. But that's what they call that's what you call an extended, non-extended family, right there. They have been quote unquote friendly since Dell's college years. So apparently wow. I don't know who struck first or who stroke struck or stroke. It depends. I'll leave that up to you, but in court filings, both parties accused the Curry's I'm, I'm, I'm speaking of accused each other of cheating. So I got to tell you, man, the NBA is good for a lot of stuff, man, but I never saw this. Never this. Didn't think it would be this. Yeah, and such a high-profile player who, you know, was introduced to the NBA audience almost along with his parents because Dell was an NBA player. Right. And, and you know, if you didn't follow college basketball, you didn't know Steph coming into the league. Right. But, you know, Dell had that pedigree and whatever. And so it was almost like a parent's night. You know, like parent's night when you're a senior and your parents come out of high school. Like that's how he was introduced to the NBA. It was almost like alongside of Del Carey, his parents. Look at his beautiful mother. Look at his father. Oh, what a great family. You know, da, da, da. he's got a younger brother who's in college. He'll be coming up into the NBA and all of this stuff. And now we see, find out whatever the rumors are, however it happened. But it seems odd. It seems weird. And, you know, um, it's one of those things like, how did how did that first time happen for either one of them? Who was first? When? How did it happen? Like there had to be knowledge prior, you think, or did? Because I thought from when I before any of this came out, when they first started, you know, the breakup, I thought I read where she strayed from the marriage first, or was it right? Dale? That's what I had read. But yeah, gotta, so but you got to think about it like this. Dale Curry had been in the NBA for 15 years. That was, I right. mean, yeah, he wasn't. Uh, let's, let's yeah, there was other women. Yes, there was other women. And so I, maybe he, this guy was a close enough friend where those types of things were happening since college into their young days of marriage and into his young days of the NBA. Like, hey, man, like, I always wanted that wife of yours. Maybe like I could get you some women because you know I know I'm, I'm always on the road. Meet me in Atlanta on a road trip. I don't know, like whatever. Who knows where the you know the boiling point started of all this? But fast forward to now, after Steph Curry's on you know the short list of great players of all times, you've been kind of riding that uh journey with him in the public eye as a family and everything and you know it, 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 cute little curries you know the little steph's little daughter at the press conference aisha's next day the family's all watching the games and now they're over here in some like wife swap uh i will wild, tell you this right now the director for tonight's game 
He's got one job. Yeah. Got one job. You better show up with her on the screen with this man sitting next to her, and you better show up with this man on the screen sitting next to the new girlfriend. Because if you right. don't give the internet that, you have let them down, director, and you will hear about it from people, okay? ESPN, you got one job. Put both these people on camera at some point. Steph's going to make a lot of threes, okay? Even if he struggles, find them. Find them. Yeah. The internet <laughs> yeah, is going. Exactly. Adam Silver, tell ESPN's director of tonight's game, find them. They have to know what's going on on the internet. They have to. So funny, man. Wild oh, stuff. That's insane. Wild stuff. That's insane. I, I I, mean, we didn't even have time. I mean, that came out of nowhere. I completely forgot about that, and I had to bring that up. Uh, we didn't even get the chance to talk about Dean Spanos' sister, for those of you who don't know. We got, like, less than a minute. Dean Spanos' sister hates her, all her brothers, and she's suing them for control of the team. Either one, because she's just, like, poor, real rich poor. What rich poor means, like, her jet ran out of gas. Right. But, exactly. Yeah, jet fuels up. Right. She's not poor like us people, but she's poor no. like, hey, man. This this G four needs to be upgraded to a G five. Exactly, exactly. You know how much it cost me to fly to Santorini, Greece, now. <laughs> and so now she's basically trying to get her billion dollar chunk out of the team to live out the rest of her life vacationing around the world, and she's ready to burn all the brothers down if that's what it takes to do so. So shout out to Diaz Spanos for literally making the Spanos seem dumber and more dysfunctional via court papers. Well, you're gonna have Jeannie Buss and maybe uh Spanos' sister is like kind of you know taking just just t- taking the grips of the franchise from the family. That's interesting in the same oh, town. She will she will sell that thing before Dia will yeah, that's sell true. that thing before the court papers dry up when mm-hmm. they get a chance to appeal. We won't appeal. We'll be back tomorrow. Brown and Lawhead. Peace. Peace.